Welcome to the Secret Life of Cookies, where we try to solve the world's problems through the miracle of carbohydrates, one recipe at a time, with host Marissa Rothkoff and her dog, Bosco. Hello there, and welcome to a special Thanksgiving episode of The Secret Life of Cookies. My guest is the inimitable Jill Weinbanks, she who was a prosecutor at Watergate, general counsel for the Army, and fast forward to today, where she often graces MSNBC with her legal insight, and of course, her fabulous collection of pins. You'll notice in the middle of the podcast, I start going on and on about how air fryer grilled cheese is the greatest use for an air fryer that there ever was. Next to eating pizza, of course, which is actually the greatest use of an air fryer and reason enough to actually purchase an air fryer. But I digress. Anyway, the conversation, I, I schwärm about how grilled cheese in the air fryer is the greatest thing to make. And then the conversation gets cut off and you never get to hear how to make a grilled cheese. So I promise to post the instructions on my Substack where you will be able to find the instructions not only for that, but also the air fryer stuffed mushrooms that Jill and I make on the podcast today. And you can find it at marissarothkopf.substack.com. And if you forget, you can always go to Twitter as long as it's there and you'll find the link there. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook and post and master. Oh, never mind. Anyway, enough. On with the show. And happy Thanksgiving. Here I am, a couple days before Thanksgiving, with the most amazing Jill Weinbanks as my Thanksgiving guest this year. And it's a pleasure to have you here on The Secret Life of Cookies and apparently The Secret Life of the Supreme Court and The Supreme, the Secret Life of Special Counsels and The Secret Life of so many things that are going on this week. Welcome. Nice to be with you. This is very exciting for me. I'm so excited to learn about my air fryer. I'm here to learn. I, Jill and I had a quick conversation before we started recording, and it involved me being the equivalent of the butterball turkey line, but for air fryers, and you are the equivalent of the butterball turkey line, but for legal commentary for Thanksgiving. So we both have big tasks ahead of us. I think yours is yours is harder. Just for the the folks playing along at home. You responded very positively when we talked about air fryer recipes. You were like, we need them. And so I decided we were going to do air fryer apps. I'm a big proponent of making things super simple for Thanksgiving because, as my mother would say, it's just dinner. And I also think that there's so much food in the middle of the meal that we should keep these kind of simple. Are you going to a Friendsgiving this year, family Thanksgiving? Friends, very dear friends, part of a group of political discussion people. There's five of us, but I'm going to one of their houses. Okay. And you have agreed kindly to make them some garlic bread stuffed mushrooms. This is a a, a recipe. I have a bunch of vegetarians showing up, a bunch of vegetarians showing up to my Thanksgiving feast. And so I want to make everything sort of vegetarian friendly. And also my daughter loves garlic bread and she's coming home from college in about 15 minutes. And I wanted to give her garlic bread because that to me is the greatest food on the planet. Do you have a favorite Thanksgiving food? Well, for my family, actually, jello molds are a tradition. And I actually own two jello cookbooks 
And so I always make jello molds. And this year I am, in addition to the mushrooms stuff with garlic bread that I will be doing with you, I am bringing a cranberry jello mold, a recipe that I got from two sources and I've sort of combined. One is from Michelle Combo, who is an MSNBC booker. And one is from my roommate, my first year of college, Trudy Burrs, who was Trudy Hafford when we were in, in, I'm sorry, not college, in law school. She was my roommate first year. And then I have from the Jello cookbook, a lime and pear and cream cheese mold that is incredible and gorgeous. I have never been able to get it to layer the way the picture is. So I combine the whole thing into one layer that is sort of creamy green and beautiful with pears. It is the best. It's really good. My husband likes the cranberry one just as much. So those are my three things that I'm bringing to my friend's house. So Ellen and Paul, if you're listening, you now know what I'm bringing. (laughs) You have talked about jello molds in the past, whether it was on Twitter or you and I've conversed about them. And we have to have a jello mold session. We have to. My aunt Mill made the best jello molds ever using condensed milk. And one of my cousins recently found her long since gone recipe. And I've been afraid to try it because I know it won't taste like Aunt Mills any more than her tuna fish salad could be replicated. I lived with her for the last few months of my eighth grade. My family moved out to the suburbs and I wanted to finish uh, my um, grade school in the city. And so I moved in with my Aunt Mill and she made me tuna fish the first day. And I said, that's what I want every day. I can make other things. No, no, Aunt Mill. I want tuna fish salad every single day. She put piccalilli in. I know that. But what else goes in? I don't I don't know what made her so special. It was really good. And her her jello mold had condensed milk and I believe some chopped nuts and some fruit. It, I mean, it was an amazing thing. Oh, my God. It sounds like a work of art as well. You can yeah. remain on the podcast since you are a Hellman's person, if a Duke's person, but are are also acceptable. But otherwise, I don't know. Mayonnaise has always been a hot topic somehow on my podcast. E. Jean Carroll is convinced that it goes on brownies. I'll just leave that there. I don't know about that. My <laughs> husband thinks peanut butter goes on everything. Oh, he's right, though. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he, he has peanut butter and jelly every single morning. I mean, without fail. You too? Really? I used to be a skippy, chunky. Chunky has to be chunky. No creamy. But I have recently discovered that even chunkier is Signature Brand, which is a local store brand. And it's, try it. It's really good. That's funny because really I re- I rejected the Signature Brand only two days ago because it's all they had. And now I wish I'd known this. Okay. I will go back for the Signature Brand. I won't go to two different grocery stores trying to find Skippy to make somebody happy. We have a lot to talk about. There are things even happening as we are, as I am here, I have sliced mushrooms for this appetizer. This is an appetizer you can make in no time flat. Like really, like while your hair is drying, before you go, you can make these and take them with you. They take no time to cook. They are fun to make because it's sort of like playing with your food. And you can either use baby Bellas, which I have here, or you can use, I use shiitake mushrooms because I like the ratio of mushroom to garlic cheesy bread, but that's me. You can use either. My store last night did not have shiitake. So I had to settle for baby Bella, but you just said sliced. No, no, no. 
They're not oh, sliced. Oh, I thought you said slice. And I was like, whoa, I, I thought it was the cap that you were yeah, using. We're okay. just using the cap. And uh, you take the stem out. And I drizzle them with olive oil before I do, well, before I make my mixture in just the hope that some olive oil sort of seeps its way into the sponge known as a mushroom. The baby Bellas you are delicious, especially if you like mushrooms. They're really meaty and nice. And, and then the mixture, and I'll just, I've already have made the mixture here for everyone at home. It's part fresh bread and part breadcrumbs. It is parsley. This, I had time because I'd run out of oregano. Parsley is key ingredient and also lemon zest because I feel that so much of the food we eat on Thanksgiving has its sort of like dark flavor, except for your lime jello. Like maybe it's my house that's dark and it has three kinds of cheese in it because I can't help myself. It has Parmesan or Romano if you prefer it saltier, shredded cheese and little baby chunks of cheese, which I'm showing here, which are like... I think it would be gross to say they're the size of baby teeth, but because no one wants to associate teeth with this. But anyway, the br soft breadcrumb is good for uh, um, absorbing the oil. And then there's garlic, and as much garlic as you want. And don't forget to stint, don't forget to put in some salt. And then you've made it. And then I take them. I'm just going to do one quick, and then we'll get on to the subject. And I literally just stuff them like this, and I put them in my air fryer, which should be preheated. But you should make them all in advance and just put them on a plate. But I hold a little cup in my hand. I smush down the stuff like it's compacted. And then I put it down here. And then before, and then before I make it, before I put it in the air fryer, this, I'm pointing for the people at home who are only listening and don't know what I'm saying this about. It's um, Trader Joe's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil Spray. They have it at any place, any supermarket has it. Olive oil or avocado spray. And then you just kind of spray it on. Listen for the spraying people like this, but I do it when it's in here. So it gets all over the aluminum foil lined air fryer. And then I cook it in. There's a controversy about whether you can use aluminum foil or whether the air fryer is supposed to have holes so that the, so what's the story on that? For me, this is when I put in aluminum foil, I always leave space around the sides to keep the circulation going. But I, like I make a little tray you know, but also I don't want to spend Thanksgiving afternoon cleaning my air fryer. You're still going to get fantastic. The whole point of an air fryer, basically it's like convection heat. So it's high heat circulating in a small space, which gets fantastic browning because you're right at the heat source and the air is circulating. So it pulls moisture out and leaves it and creates the Maillard effect, which is the caramelization that you want that makes things taste delicious and fried. So I have another question. You said you drizzled olive oil on the mushroom cap. Was that on the inside and the outside? Yeah, I just threw, I'm, this is lazy cooking. It is throw them in a bowl, toss it with some olive oil. And if you want, you could even put a little salt in here and just let them sit while you're making the mixture. Okay, good, good point. And I want you to know that I have a olive oil dispenser. It's a um, a glass bottle with a sprayer and you just put your own olive oil in it. So you know, you're getting really good quality olive oil and you pump it. I'm, I'm, should I go get it and show it to you? <laughs> no, I think I had one once, but I broke it. But you've reminded me that it's a good thing. Maybe I'll ask Santa for it for Christmas. I think it's a good Santa present. <laughs> definitely. I think that's what I'm going to get probably for myself, but I'll get it. But then you're done. These things take 
maybe 10 minutes to cook. And I cook them at a meat, like at 350 degrees. I cook them higher initially. And then what happens? They turn brown too quickly because you want to make sure that the stuff in the middle gets sort of bubbly and good. So 350 and you've got it. And you have a nice air fryer. Mine's an old fashioned one. So how, how do I get it from that hot bubbly in my air fryer to be serving at least 40 minutes later at my friend's house? Well, I think what I would do is transfer it to an aluminum foil pan or a, a pretty pan. And quickly at her house, I would either pop them in the microwave for, or just leave them covered in a warm oven for a little bit to heat up. Unless she has an air fryer there herself. Or a, I a don't toaster know. oven. I'm sure she'll have her oven going. I'll be able to throw it in her oven. I've had um, I've eaten them at every temperature. The only thing is they will be nice and brown. So make sure you put aluminum foil over them so they don't burn while they're browning. Uh, that's the only thing. I want to talk to you about... Do so you have any other questions about your air fryer before we leap into... No, I, I'm very excited about trying this. I've, I've made a very successful eggplant parmesan, which really took advantage of the air fryer because there was no fat and it browned and crisped up beautifully. It was really, really good. That was that was a really nice meal. Do you dip the pieces in like breadcrumbs or did you just like spray them with oil? No, I did a three-part thing. It was first flour, second egg, third breadcrumbs, seasoned breadcrumbs. And so it was mixing it in all of those, then browning them. Then after they were browned and crisped up, I added marinara sauce and mozzarella. And there was Parmesan in the breadcrumbs. Sure. But how much time did that save you? Because like frying eggplant is the most is tedious. Well, it's not just that it's tedious. It's I've never been successful at it. It always comes out either sort of mushy or it's not good. And this really was just the perfect crisp, hard, in a good way, hard. It, you know, it was really, really good. It was a very nice meal and I made more than I needed and it reheated very nicely the next night for another meal. That's great. Uh, that's why I, I like these mushrooms because they get so crunchy, crispy on the outside and then in the inside they're soft and the mushroom is perfectly cooked and juicy. So it, I, I wrote a review for of the air fryer way back when for Newsweek when I was reviewing kitchen gadgets for them. And I was like, whatever, this is overblown. This is sort of stupid. Who wants this taking up space? And then I learned to make grilled cheese in it. Some lovely person on Twitter, if it's you, if you're out there, please let me know it was you because you deserve a medal, said, you got to make grilled cheese in it. And I said, yeah. And I literally went straight from Twitter to the refrigerator to my air fryer. I was like, prove it. I haven't looked back since. It's awesome. When you go to Thanksgiving dinner, what is the thing that you know people are going to ask you because of your legal background, your legal prowess? What's going to be the first thing? This Thanksgiving, they're going to be asking about the special prosecutor, why it took so long for it to get to this point, when it's going to happen. Most of those questions are things that are unknowable. You know, it would just be pure speculation. I, of course, have learned a lot about the new special counsel. I don't know if anyone's going to ask, but I sometimes get asked about the rules for the special counsel. I like the rules we operated under and not the ones that exist now. 
There is no real independence now. The attorney general makes the ultimate decision. And you saw in the Mueller case how the attorney general completely abused that authority and announced a false conclusion, a false narrative of what the report said before the report was released and formed an opinion that never sort of was able to be undone. And so I, you know, in terms of do I think there was a need for a special counsel? I do not. I think the Department of Justice could do the job. Do I think there were extraordinary circumstances? Yeah, it is sort of extraordinary that you have a twice impeached person running for president a third time. And the problem is that having a special counsel will not abate any criticism of this being political. It will not make a difference. And you saw that in the immediate reaction of Trump and all his acolytes. So I don't think it was necessary. I think that if Jack Smith had been brought on as just the head, you know, brought onto the team at the Department of Justice as the head, it would have been a brilliant addition. He has amazing qualifications. I've never met him. I don't know him. But you know, just listening to the people who do know him, who have worked with him. Wow. He's fabulous. He's prosecuted a former president, the president of Kosovo. And I think he's qualified to lead this team, which is being kept in place. And so my fear about losing time has sort of evaporated because I now see it as being much more like when Archie Cox was fired. And we were in debate as to whether we had been fired, and we hadn't been. We had actually been moved to the Department of Justice, which was, of course, unacceptable. We were then moved back, and a new special counsel was appointed. But we didn't lose a moment. We kept on doing our job the entire time. We thought about quitting in protest over the firing of Archie, and Archie said, don't give the president what he wants. He wants to get rid of you. You know the case and you can do this. If you leave, someone else is going to have to start from scratch. That's the wrong thing. And so basically what's happening here is he's inheriting a staff that's already in place that knows the case. He has apparently already read a lot of material because there is an argument as we speak this very moment, there's an argument going on in the 11th Circuit. And he, the lawyers arguing it, have told the court that Jack Smith has reviewed our pleadings and has approved all of the arguments that we're making today. So he's already up to speed. So it's it's not going to cause any delay. It adds a level of value of his own experience. He's known to act quickly, to make very decisive, quick decisions. I think it's going to actually help to not have the person who has to run the entire Department of Justice, who has to be diverted from this case for thousands of other things, to have someone whose focus is only on getting this case done and done quickly. So I think it's a good thing. I think it's great to hear your positive thoughts about how competent Smith is, because um, I think some of us are are a little shell-shocked still about what happened with Mueller. And we have a lot of like, you know, PTSD about that. And it's nice to hear that we think that this man is kind of going to go forth unafraid. Well, there's two other advantages mm-hmm. and differences. Mueller was, had an investigation of a sitting president and was bound by the Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel 
that said you cannot ever indict him. This is a former president. There is no such rule. So he can be brought to, assuming the facts and the law line up as seems obvious from publicly available. And as my sister-in-law Joyce would say, but we have to remember that there could be exculpatory evidence that they at the department know that we in the public do not. I doubt that. If we had it, if there, if it existed, it would have been leaked by his team, by Donald Trump's team. So I don't think there is, but okay, caveat, there could be, and that could explain non-action. Based on the currently available evidence, there are a lot of crimes to indict him for, and it should be done quickly. So the other advantage is that a special counsel doesn't go away when the administration changes. So while I expect indictments during the next two years, I don't expect the trial to be completed. Although I will also say we were appointed and started from scratch in March of 73. The verdict was January 1st of 75. So it is possible in less than two years, in basically, I think, 19 months, we went from opening an investigation to indictment, arguing in the Supreme Court, having a tapes hearing, and convicting. So it could be done in the next two years, but court schedules now don't seem to be favoring that. So it's good that someone cannot be fired except for cause and will outlast the current administration. I think that's the thing that helps me sleep at night and helps me digest my food on Thanksgiving. You used the word leak, which reminds me that one, I do have leaks and I think I'm going to make a bread pudding with leaks, but that's neither here nor there. The other kind of, the other kind of leak, because this is the kind of podcast this is, the other kind of leak, the one that happened, oh, a couple of years ago with the Hobby Lobby case and the Supreme Court, and then the latest leak, the Dobbs leak, and your feeling. So if I'm sitting next to you at Thanksgiving and I'm like, huh, tell me the Supreme Court, it's, it's getting me down. I don't think it's been this messed up since Dred Scott. How, can I sleep at night? I mean, it's, it's worrisome to I, me. I, unfortunately, Marissa, I'd have to agree with you. It is messed up. I'm sorry. And I think this newest revelation, and of course, it sounds from the reporting pretty credible, but I would need to know more. I haven't seen or heard the person, the formerly anti-choice person who was an evangelical, who basically plotted and got rich donors to contribute to a Supreme Court organization so that they could socialize with justices and become friends with them and then have dinner with them. And whose emails seem to indicate that one of those people had dinner with Justice Alito and his wife, Maureen, and then wrote emails about what Maureen and Alito had told them about the Hobby Lobby decision. And, you know, you can argue, oh, what difference does it make if he learned a few weeks ahead of the decision, who wrote it, and what the decision was going to be. Well, it does matter. It's just our system is not supposed to be where rich people get access to that kind of information. And therefore, it's really pretty terrible. And it also shows how easy it is to suck up to the Supreme Court. You know, you pay your money and you go to these events and you get to be friends with them. And, you know, I, I worked with Justice Breyer 
former, you know, now retired Justice Breyer. He was part of the Watergate team. And I would never have had a conversation with him about anything pending in the Supreme Court. You know, at, you know, when I saw him at social gatherings or Watergate reunions or we, we were on a panel together, that it just, it would never have crossed my mind to ask anything. And it would never have crossed his mind to have answered that question should I have been bold enough and stupid enough to have asked it. So it is, it is now, we have to say in terms of this, Justice Alito has denied that he said anything. He's denied that his wife said anything. Although it's interesting that he didn't say, and my wife wouldn't have known anyway, because she shouldn't have either. That raises the question of Ginny Thomas and Clarence Thomas. But he, he, instead of saying she didn't know, he said she never said anything, which does that mean she did know? And why did she know? And I guess, okay, we're all human. You know, we might talk to our spouses in ways that we shouldn't, but I never did during Watergate. And I don't know why anybody else should. If I mean, my, just if my husband is a doctor and comes, or if I'm a doctor and I might tell my spouse about some diagnosis of a friend of ours, I don't expect him to go then go tell somebody, right? Like it, it just isn't happening. And I never thought that I would be interested in knowing who the Supreme Court spouses were, right? And that they would sort of like, suddenly I'm, you know, thinking about Ginny Thomas, and I really think I should be. Do you ever see the possibility that these guys would come around to recusing themselves from anything? And this is obviously like fantasy talk because. Well, it isn't fantasy, Marissa. In the argument of U.S. v. Nixon, the tapes case, Justice Rehnquist recused himself. And it was a vote. It was a unanimous vote, but it was 8-0 because he had recused himself. So prior justices have seen potential conflicts and have recused themselves. Why we are living in an era where you can have someone with what is an obvious conflict to everyone and he will not recuse himself and why he was the lone dissent on a case that really was directly involving his wife. I mean, she wasn't a party, but she had a clear interest in it. I can't say. I mean, it's, it's terrible. And then they raise the issue of separation of powers that Congress cannot legislate something because it would be interfering with another branch of government. Right. So we're, I feel like we're sort of a little, our hands are tied unless people decide to put their ego aside. And that, that's the big question. Right now, so I feel like this is a little bit of the lightning, the lightning round of this portion of the podcast where you have to prepare us all because I suspect people will be listening to this while like chopping potatoes at home, um, though they could save a lot of time by just buying the little potatoes and not bothering. But um, <laughs> for the, the lightning round of you're sitting on one side next to your Trumpy aunt Gertrude and on your right hand side to your super hyper liberal uncle Morty. And I feel like, you know, I have to be, I'm not going to have this. I not at my table, but there are those out there who are going to be stuck between these people and having to like deal with the answers. And, um, I wonder if you have some quick off the cuff sort of answers for people who say to me, Oh, Georgia, nothing's ever going to happen with that. That, that governor's going to yeah, pardon Mr. Trump. Is that possible? No, actually, in Georgia, the governor does not have the pardon power. 
It's one of three states where the governor cannot pardon anyone. It goes to a board, a pardon board. So I'm pretty relieved about that because I actually worried about that. And I actually said, I believe, on Sisters-in-Law last week that that could happen uh, as a warning. And I had to tweet this week saying, while there's still a Twitter, I had to tweet. And I'm starting to use Mastodon, but I'm not figuring out so well how to yeah, Mastodon. Mastodon is not as good. I've, I've started using um, Post and find it a much friendlier interface. Oh, tell me more about it because I just saw something about it. And I was afraid to sign up because it sounded too good to be true. The part about it that isn't so good to be true is that it's a bit in the beta stage. So there's still a lot of good things to come. It's, I mean, there's things, there's still bugs, there's still development to occur, but from an interface point of view and the, the grounding of the owners, you know, that they're grounded people as much as whatever you can expect that it seems like a good place. That's all I can say. I know nothing more. This is comes from my heart and a little bit of my experience creating website after website after website. So I'm going to try post then because I, when I read about it yesterday, I thought this does sound really good. But back to your question, I recently actually had a dialogue with a Trumper who was a college sorority sister of mine. And it was not a successful conversation from my point of view. Someone else, another pledge sister, said, you don't really believe that he actually won the election. And she said, yes, I absolutely do. And I said, well, I don't want to make this uncomfortable. And if you don't want to answer, I'll drop this. But I don't usually have an opportunity to speak to someone who has that viewpoint. So if you wouldn't mind, I'd really like to know what facts you base your conclusion on. And she said, well, because the Democrats had machines that flip votes and they totally manipulated the vote. I said, well, you do know that there were 60 lawsuits brought and they were all dismissed, including by Trump appointed judges. And then the Republicans in Arizona hired the ninjas and they actually ended up finding more votes for Biden than they did for Trump. And they were supposed to find them for Trump. And she said, well, I just don't believe any of that. So how do you have a conversation? There's no fact that she's willing to accept. And that's the problem. But the best advice I've gotten is from two sources. One was from Nick Kristoff, who, and the other was from a librarian who writes children's books at the Evanston Library. And she has a, a, a new children's book out. Uh, and we were both on a uh, an author's program this week. And she said that there is a book called, and, and I've now read it. I'm going to have to get you the name. It's something about underwear, which is teaching children how to do critical thinking and how to analyze the sources of information and how to think about it. So her advice, basically, through this book for children, which I think applies to adults, is to start learning to analyze what is the source of my information? Is it some 300-pound guy sitting on his bed <laughs> tweeting? <laughs> right. Or is it from a reliable source? Are there citations to the indictment or to some fact-based thing? But what Nick said is, you know, there's always a way to come to some mutual agreement. Find that point and start from there. So, you know, you can go through, well, okay, she's not willing to accept that there 
were no evidence of flipping vote. But maybe you could get to the point of, well, it's important that we all agree on the value of voting and we agree on the value of having accepting that. And then you start talking about, well, what is the machine that you would believe in? And you start going from there. So finding a point of common ground is one way. The other is to talk about the weather. I mean, I, you know, at your dining table, you really don't need that. It's, it's a time of joy and being together. Um, and I have another friend who has become a person who accepts at face value whatever is said on Fox. And I think I'm at a point of saying we need to talk about our workouts, our cooking, whatever it is, but we can't talk about this anymore because it, it just, I don't feel I'm being heard and it just isn't good for my psyche. And so let's be friends without talking politics. And my husband, who's an antique dealer, has a rule, nothing about religion, nothing about politics are discussed in the store because your customers come from all over and you don't want to get into that. So that's not a bad advice for the holiday season of, you know, enjoy being together without, you know, without any of this stuff that makes us all upset and tense and spoils the holiday. Take a deep breath and just forget it. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the cooking. Enjoy the garlic stuffed mushrooms. <laughs> exactly. And I would like to try and enjoy that lime molded piece. I, um, I'm going to send you a picture of the cookbook with the picture of how it's supposed to look. And you'll see I've annotated it to say, just mix the whole thing together in one layer and don't try to do. I, I, if you know the trick to getting the first layer is just plain jello. The second one is mixed with the cream cheese and it looks beautiful, but it slides off. I could never get it to quite stick. I never got it put together at exactly the right moment where they would stay together. So it was just easier to mix it together. And I think it tastes actually maybe even better. Yeah. It's all in one mouthful. That sounds good to me. Um, I'm, well, thank you for encouraging me to embrace the jello mold. And just before we leave, um, along with wishing you a very, very happy Thanksgiving. And thank you. I think everybody thanks you for a reminder of why we should leave politics and religion at the door. Because also, I feel that some of the people who we're talking to who are staunch acolytes are acolytes in the way that, you know, Trump is their beliefs in Trump and people like them are on a fanatical, on a religious level. But I would say everybody else, not the Trumpers, but everybody else should vote. That is really crucial. And if you are in Georgia, of course, it's really critical. People don't recognize how important that extra seat is. It's the difference between having an equal number of members of every committee, making it hard to get things out of committee with a recommendation for the floor, for the full house. And that makes a big difference. So it's really, really important. Um, and, and also you never know, you know, what changes might come in the future, having that, um, and, and also mansion and cinema, you know, it's nice to have the extra vote in case one of them defects from the democratic position. So please, if you aren't in Georgia, if you are vote, if you aren't send postcards into Georgia, do phone banking, do something to help get out the vote. And that's the most important thing. I agree. 
As a lifelong pin collector, let me just say that it is a pleasure to be in your company. And I have to ask you one pin question. Do you put your pins on before you put the piece of clothing on or after? It depends. And sometimes I put them on before and then remember I hadn't taken a picture. So I have to, after I'm dressed, take it off, put it on something to take a photograph, to post with my, you know, I'm going to be on MSNBC or I'm going to be right now. I'm I'm not wearing a pin for your show because I didn't have a cooking pin, but I'm going to put <laughs> on a vote pin. Great, Let's great. See. It says, make a plan to vote. It's your best way to be heard. And because I'm doing a podcast with some Gen Zers and they need to make a plan to vote. So that's the pin I'm going to wear for that podcast. And I do choose my clothes to match the pin that I have selected. You didn't ask that, but it's sort of like I put this top on and then I suddenly realized I hadn't thought through the pins. And then when I looked at my pins, the pin I had planned on wouldn't show up on this. So I had to switch pins. But normally I pick out the pin and then I walk through my closet and say, oh, that'll look good with this outfit. So that's how I pick what I wear. It's based on what pin I have chosen to send the right message for the podcast or for the um, MSNBC show. I'm going to reorganize my pins this weekend, inspired by you. And I thank you so much for being here on the podcast and have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. Call me 24-7 about your air fryer questions. If I have problems cooking this on Thursday, I will be calling you for sure. A very special thank you to Jill Wine Banks for taking time to join me in the kitchen. And a happy Thanksgiving to all of you. I am thankful for all of you and thankful that you're willing to spend time with me. I am so happy that you are here. May all your carbs be buttery and all your pies be a la mode this Thanksgiving. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you again next week.